Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. I love rivers. Rivers are probably some of my favourite things to hang around with. If, if a river was a person, I, I reckon I would make a river my best friend. I know that's really strange, but I, I just, I, I passionately love rivers. It's really strange that if I have the choice to go anywhere for a, an opportunity to recharge and replenish, I would choose to go to a place with a river. And, and I, I like the rivers that, that are especially murky, but, but not, not stagnant. But you know what I mean? Like if, if you're on a tree and you're gonna swing in there where you, you, you don't exactly know where you're going to land, those are my favourite rivers. I, I think it's because I grew up near one. But it, it, listening or thinking through some of the key moments in my life, rivers have just popped up. And there was a beautiful, the most beautiful river I've ever seen in my life is located at the place that I met my wife, Rhiannon. There we go. All right, let's, let's, let's start building this up now. <laughs> See, I met Rhiannon at a place called Mount Seaview in New South Wales in a place outside of Warhope where there's this beautiful crystal clear mountain river that, that glows through this, this campsite. And it's one of those rivers where they, they bottle somewhere at the source where you can go into a local shop and, and buy a fresh bottle of Mount Seaview spring water. It's that type of river. I'd never seen one before. I'd only seen them on documentaries or Nat Geo uh, magazines where, where it was so crystal clear that you could, you could see clearly to the bottom. It was like looking through something that was a magnifying glass to the bottom of the bed. And that when you jumped in it, it was so fresh and cold that you, you, you sort of shivered, but you felt life restored to you. Do you know what I mean? It's a weird thing. And that place will forever be in my memories because I ended up meeting Jesus when I was 16 years old. And then over the next year, I joined a, a internship with a youth leadership group called Youth Alive. And every year they would host, when it was in favour, Christian youth camps. And so they had this camp called Synergy at this place called Mount Seaview. And because I was signed up doing this leadership development program, they assigned me and my best friend the most important position for developing our leadership skills. For this 500 member strong conference that lasted five days, we had the responsibility for the supper. I was in charge of Milo and Kingston cookies. Come on, develop your leadership there. So every night that they had the, the camp, we were there cleaning up afterwards, making sure that everybody had what they need. And you can never have enough Milo and Kingston cookies at a Christian youth camp. And on the very last night of the camp, I remember not having had this moment drag on and keeping a right heart through the whole thing and not even grumbling one bit. The leadership development meant cleaning up after people that two young women walked in just before we shut the door to the camp kitchen. And these two young women came in and grabbed Milo's and Kingston cookies. And my best friend who was doing this leadership development program with me disappeared for 20 minutes. I couldn't see him, I couldn't find him. I was left there grumbling, no, sorry, praying and <laughs> worshipping God until I looked up after 20 minutes and noticed that he was out there 
talking to one of the young ladies. And so I got righteously a little bit jealous. I folded up my towel and put it on my shoulder and I went out and introduced myself to my wife. I didn't marry her that moment though. In fact, we didn't start dating for at least six months afterwards, but it was a chance meeting at a Christian youth camp that was famous because of its river. Rivers captivate me. They captivate me because here in this Scripture, Jesus is talking about the reality that if we come to Him, there are rivers that can flow from us. Again, it says in John 7, 37, 44, on the last day, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. This day is significant because there were a couple of festivals that were in the Jewish calendar. This is the third of those festivals. It was called the festival or the Feast of Tabernacles. And what made this festival so significant is that like the other ones, you would leave your day-to-day life to go to the capital city, Jerusalem, where the temple was. Yeah, you would leave behind what you were doing. You would, you, would, you would stop what you're doing to retreat out of your normal everyday life, to gather together with everybody who was able in the capital city, Jerusalem. And what you would do in this festival is that you would basically bring with you your best tent and you would set up tents throughout the field. And it was basically a festival, it was a, a giant camp and, and you would celebrate and you'd, you'd get around people that you love and you would, you would celebrate the goodness of God because the Feast of Tabernacles was all about remembering that God had led His people through 40 years in the wilderness and had not forgotten them. That during 40 years of wilderness, during the time of Moses, after they'd been led out of slavery in Egypt, so long before Jesus' arrival that they would gather together to remember not to forget, which is a reminder to me that it's so easy for every single one of us to forget the things that God has done unless we allow ourselves to bring it back to mind. We have to remember the things of God. It's so easy to allow the busyness of the world to strip us of the reality that God has already met with us and already working in and through us. And so they would do this Feast of Tabernacles or it was called the Feast of Booths and they would set up the camps and they would hang out with one another. And what they would do is they would celebrate the fact that in the time of the wilderness, their clothes never wore out and they would have manna to eat in the morning, this amazing grain that would appear with the dew and that they would have meat in the evening coming from the quails. And, and, and the biggest thing for them is that they would drag around with them in the wilderness, in the desert, their own personal water supply. See, they had this large rock that Moses had struck and water had started coming out. And without that rock, without that water, none of those 40 years would have been possible. And so it's during this festival, during this moment, Jesus gets up and He says to them, on the last and greatest day of the festival, 
Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. You know, I love the fact that in talking about what it means to follow Him, Jesus says, first and foremost, it's your choice what you do. If you're thirsty, I know thirsty has been hijacked in our culture to mean something else. But please forgive me as I, as I just unpack the words that Jesus said Himself. If you're thirsty, come to me. If you recognise that you are in need, come. See, everything in the Kingdom of God is freedom of choice. It begins with our response to Him and what we choose to allow Him to do in our lives. And He gets up on that day when they're celebrating everything that God has done. So the cool thing about the Feast of Tabernacles is just as they would celebrate everything that God has done, the focus of the feast was to dream ahead to what God was going to do. Because on that last day, they would celebrate the fact that there was coming a day when all nations would be drawn into the worship of the one true God. And on that day, Jesus stood up and said, if you come to me, if you drink of me, I will give you by the Spirit rivers of living water. Why rivers? I think about this, why a river? Why, why is Jesus talking about giving the spirit of life into the hearts of His people? And He relates it to a river. The, the thing that comes to my mind is that there's, there's two key thoughts that I wanna bring to you today about a river, that a river both has a source and a flow. A river both has a source and a flow. And this is not any ordinary river. This is a river that flows from within those who follow Jesus and it's living water. It's, it's, it's got something about it that restores life and brings life. It's not just passing through, it's actually depositing something. But every river has a source and has a flow. Sources are so important because without a source, there's, there's nothing to build the momentum and the movement and the flow out of. At Mount Seaview, where I met Rhiannon, the, the beautiful river that passed through is the Hastings Rivers. And it starts so about 50 k's further up in the mountains. And it begins originally in a spot where a little spring is bubbling up from deep within the mountain. It's amazing. This river is huge. There's, there's bridges that cross it. It passes through Port Macquarie and, and empties out in the ocean and, and there's life all through it. There's fish and you can, you can go skiing on it. You can do amazing things, but it all begins from a trickle. It all begins from a little spring that busts up from deep within and bubbles over. See, when Jesus is talking about rivers of living water, what He's highlighting is that every single one of us need to have a source that we're drawing upon in life because we all draw upon something. See, the truth is the source of our life can be whatever we choose it to be. Jesus said, if you're thirsty, come to Him. Well, you don't have to come to Him. You can choose to go to whatever you want. You can satisfy yourself in anything you choose to do. That can become the source of your life. 
your source of your life is a certain level of standard of success or appearance or understanding or, or this or that. Well, you can, you can draw on that, but I gotta say that is a poor source because that is not self-sustainable. Because once you draw on that source and that source is fulfilled, there's nothing else bubbling up. But if you draw on the Spirit of God and that becomes the source of your life, you'll never, ever get to the bottom of it. There's a portion of Scripture talking about what I think is part of the source that we get to draw upon in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 25. And it says this, But this fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. That's such an interesting thing to say, have crucified the flesh. Oh, what do you mean? Jesus was crucified for us. Why do I have to be crucified myself? Do, do you mean I have to go out the back here? We've got an old prop out the back here that's a, an old cross that we pull out for Easter. Should we just line up and crucify? No, no, that's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about crucifying you personally. It's talking about crucifying the flesh. And the flesh is this part of our life where our soul and our body is just constantly looking for desires, temporary things to fulfil us without giving anything in return. And the writer of Galatians challenges us to not draw on that source, to not draw on the things that are so temporary, so transparent, so used up. But there's something else, there's a source in the Spirit of God that can be drawn upon. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. See, the source of a river comes from a high place. It's just reality. If, if the spring for the river at Mount Seaview didn't start at the top of a mountain and trickle down, it wouldn't be able to be a river. See, a river needs gravity to work. It needs to start from a high place and then trickle down. And so for you and I living out our lives in our day-to-day -day realities are invited to live from a higher place. And if we live from a higher place, then what begins to trickle down is the flow. But it begins with a source begins with the, the fruit of the Spirit. It begins with the reality of God working in and through our lives, changing us bit by bit as we go. You know, I remember one of the most testing seasons of my early walk in following Jesus was when I agreed, unfortunately, to become an apprentice at McDonald's. And, and the reality was, I didn't know this at the time, that it was a way of doing uh, enforced slave labour. Yes, they paid me for it, but you wanna get what they paid me? Here we go. I was employed for 38 hours a week that would often blow out to 50 or 60. Here's what they paid me. I remember it clearly, $221 a week. And I was the idiot who accepted that. And so I signed up for a year and the benefit was would be I'd get a qualification and management out of it. The truth is, the McDonald's in that system, they just ticked you off as you went because you were the slave labourer and they wanted to give you something at the end. 
And I remember as one of the things that they would do is that they would put this poor little 17-year-old in charge of locking up the restaurant some nights. And you'd be there alone and things would be going wrong. And you've got people walking through the car drive through area, throwing rubbish at the windows and banging and intoxicated and trying to get access so that they could put their mouth under the soft serve machine. Some of the things that I experienced at that place are hilarious. One day somebody stole our toilets. I'm not even making that up. And you know what? I didn't enjoy it. See, I'd stayed in my hometown because I loved ministry and I was a volunteer youth pastor in my local church and I felt like this was the only job I could get to stick around. And so I took it. And I tell you what, God changed my heart through every step of that. Because every opportunity I had to close that restaurant while I was earning $221 a week, I would walk around when nobody was there and I would start praying for my business. It wasn't my business. It belonged to somebody else. It belonged to a man named Colin Bromley. But I prayed for that business like it was mine. I prayed that it would prosper. I prayed that it would be fruitful. I prayed that it would be protected. I prayed that it would be a great place to work because it wasn't. And I prayed that it would make a difference in the area. And you know what? Those prayers were answered, every single one, because God allowed me to draw in a source that wasn't coming from anything but Him and His heart for people. It's amazing that McDonald's store owner, Colin Bromley, never gave his heart to Jesus. But when Rihanna and I moved to Cambodia to start our work as missionaries, became one of our key benefactors. He bought us a car so we could drive around when our son Liam was born. He didn't acknowledge Jesus, wasn't willing to follow Him, but was so impacted by this guy who hated working for him. Because there's a source that you can draw upon. Whatever you're in right now, I guarantee you, there's an opportunity for you to choose what source you're drawing upon. And if you want rivers of living water to come through you, then I would encourage you to choose the source that is the Holy Spirit. I love rivers. Rivers have sources. Rivers also have a flow. I love that you can... Watch how a river cuts through the environment. That's one of the things I love and wherever it cuts through, it brings life. I, I think that's why I like rivers so much. They're not like freeways or highways where it's just bang. It's, it's erratic and it moves and it's, it's, it's taken what the environment has in front of it and it's just worked its way through anyway. I, I get inspired for life because when, when I look at my weeks, it's hard for me to pinpoint exactly what I'm doing. I'm just not wired that way. Some people are so good at mathematically working out what they're going to do every moment of the day. Me, it's just all, everything all at once happening all around me. But rivers find a way to cut through and follow. See, there's a flow. And I believe that there's a flow available for us in life. I believe that if we tap into the right source and we allow that source to trickle up within us, the idea is that Jesus said rivers of living water would come out of you. Not, not the person next to you, not the person here with a microphone, like you individually in your life, that there are rivers of living water that Jesus wants to impart out of you. So that wherever you go, can I just say this? You are the riverbanks. You are the riverbanks of the Holy Spirit. 
That as you are living your life and flowing with Him and moving with Him, you are actually the one who's directing the current of God around you. See, that's the truth. God wants to work in and through you. He doesn't want to use you. He wants you to participate with Him and be a part of the adventure. You are the riverbanks. And that's not to contain Him, that's to give Him room to flow through your life. And He does it through these things that we often call the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It comes out in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 to 11. I want you to listen to this about this idea of living life with flow. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. You are to give profit to others. Verse 8, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. There is a life available of flow in the Spirit of God. And flow has become a popular thought in our culture. I don't know if you've come across it. It's this idea of flow states and it says a feeling where under the right conditions as we become fully immersed in what we are doing, a sense of clarity from one moment to the next allows us to function at our best. Flow. Friday was the least flow day I think I've ever had in my entire life. See, I I allowed myself to sleep in and through sleeping in, I allowed my seven-year-old daughter to sleep in and then I allowed my five-year-old son to mindlessly watch YouTube until I realised that it was my job to get them ready for school. And I'm bringing this up because I don't think I've ever gotten kids later to school than I ever did on Friday. It was hilarious. Not only did I not have the right sandwich for my daughter because she didn't want Vegemite or peanut butter or ham or cheese. She wanted nothing of the sort. And then I had to spend 15 minutes trying to work out what to give her because I abjectly refused to buy her lunch that day because I got myself out of trouble doing that already this week. And so as I'm getting the kids ready for school and we're getting later and later and later and as we're about to walk out the door, there's my five-year-old son standing there in his uniform without any shoes on. (laughs) Flynn Theodore Foster, where are your shoes? And he could not tell me. And so we then spent the next half an hour turning the house upside down, looking for shoes that were not found. Come on, Dad. There's a gift of mums with this stuff. It is hilarious when I get in this. There is no flow. No flow. Like that is anti-flow. That is everything not working together at the same time without a sense of clarity. Crud. So here's what made the pressure worse, all right? Just so you know where I was at. So Friday, Flynn, the one without shoes, was due to get his very first merit certificate at the assembly. Oh, now you hear my problem. 
Now you hear it. Imagine being in my shoes because there were no shoes. <laughs> and I'm thinking in my head, like how close is Big W? Um, thankfully, clarity came and I gave him a pink pair of Zoe's shoes to wear. And you know what? When he got those, he was so chuffed. Man, he rocked those like nothing else. Little pink shoes on Flynn. So we raced to school in my Jeep that doesn't go very fast. Doesn't handle very well in the wet weather, might I add. Does seem to skid a little bit. It's fun, but when it's raining, I don't allow Rhiannon to drive it. So as we skidding around the streets of Rockingham to get the kids there on time because he was getting a merit certificate, I signed them in with late notes, took their bags to class, ran them into assembly and Flynn got there, sat down two minutes before they called his name where he got up and got his merit certificate in pink shoes. Anti-flow. So you know what I did? I drove to Golden Bay, parked at the pirate sort of, what is it, playground there? And I went and watched people surf for half an hour because I needed God to remind me what flow actually looks like. <laughs> we can live our life in flow. And we live our life in flow through drawing on the source of the Holy Spirit. And if you draw on the source, what happens is you're drawing from a high place and the high place trickles down to lower places. And the lower places are where God leads us into in our everyday lives. And the purpose of a river is not to contain the potential inside it. It's meant to be poured out to the ocean. It's meant to give life wherever it goes. Do you know that you are called to give life wherever you go? You are not called to contain it. You're actually called to give it. You have available to you rivers of living water to come out of you. And this is how He does it. He does it through these things called gifts. And there's gifts like a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. What does that mean? I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I have from time to time and I want it even more where I go into places and I just know what to do without even knowing how or knowing where that came from. It's a word of wisdom to know what to do and know how to do it. A word of knowledge to have an understanding of something even without learning it. To have a word of prophecy. Prophecy isn't necessarily somebody with a microphone saying, thus saith the Lord. Prophecy is seeing the potential of God in somebody's life and calling it out. Like if you allow me, Les, if I could just mention that we had a bit of a text exchange and I love Les, not only is he the biggest man in the room, but you are called to interview people throughout the world. You're called to meet people in campsites and huts, meet people in factories. You're called to travel. You're called to capture this on film and allow people to experience it as if they were there themselves. You're called to reveal the reality of the world to others around you. And that is a prophetic call. But that potential is in your heart given to you by God and you know it burns within you. So don't you ever lay it down. Do you know that we can lay down the potential of God? That a prophetic word is an invitation to the potential that God has available for us, but we can choose to lay it down. That's why Scripture says we need to wage war with prophetic words. That if we lay them down and ignore them, and then we look up to heavens and we say, God, why didn't you fulfil this? He says, well, you, you had an opportunity to draw on living waters that would flow out of you and a flow that would allow that to come to fruition. 
It's available. Prophetic words and these gifts, they sort of break down. I'd love the opportunity to teach them in more detail as we journey on, but some of these gifts are impartation, forgiving to people, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, words of prophecy. Some of these gifts are, frankly, if, if I can say anything else, they're invasive. They're often called power gifts, but I wanna say invasive because they bring the unseen realm into the scene. There's gifts of miracles. Have you ever experienced a miracle? I've experienced miracles, things that I can't explain. I prayed for somebody once with kidney stones who had kidney stones disappear. It's healings, I can't explain it. Miracles, healings, a gift of faith. You know what a gift of faith is? That when you're standing at the edge of complete and utter loss, a gift flow can rise up within you that says, I'm not accepting things the way they are, but I'm persevering to see the Spirit of God flow through even this. Invasive gifts. There's gifts of revelation. There's, if you've ever come to our prayer gatherings that we do here, 8.30 in the morning, you'll hear people walk around praying in what we call tongues, which is just this idea of a heavenly language that there's this reality that our spirit can commune with God directly and there's so much more available. And here's the trick. It's not called for the elite few, it's called for the everyday. See, if you draw on the source and allow the flow, then you can expect the gifts to flow for your daily, everyday life. You have access to a river. I'd love to invite the worship team to come and join. Last scripture, talking about sources and flows. It says this in the book of Isaiah, chapter 35, verse 5 to 8. A prophecy about what was to come in the future, a prophecy about the outpouring of the Spirit of God and what that would do in the world. Isaiah, the great prophet, who wrote, generations before the birth of Jesus said this, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. I just got to pause there. For waters break forth in the wilderness. You now the wilderness for God's people was to a place of not knowing where to go. A feeling like they're just going round and round and around. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you feel like you're in a wilderness season. I want to suggest to you, even here in these moments, there's something for you to draw upon. That there's a breaking forth that God wants to do in and through your life. The waters break forth in the wilderness, streams in the desert. Wherever streams are in the desert, it brings life. You know, in the most inhospitable places, the places where you would not imagine there to be anything but barrenness, when you introduce a steady stream of water, life results. 
You think, where did that come from? That's, did somebody just sort of fly in and bring the, 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 the plants and the, and the garden and, and, and build it up as they went? No, 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 no. The water flows and life comes out of that because it draws life to it. It draws the birds and the animals and, and they deposit things and, and then more and more and more and more and more and more and more life comes because there's a river. And when the streams in the desert are flowing, it goes through the inhospitable places, the places that look barren, that look hopeless, that look desperate, that look lost. And as the life flows, there is life given. We are not called to live our lives empty of hope. We're called to live in it and through it. Tapping into a source that isn't our own because anything that comes from us will not last. It'll leave us thirsty. It'll leave us empty. It'll leave us feeling like we need so much more. And that's okay. Because there in that is an invitation to come to Jesus and receive what He's made available for us. To finish this portion of Scripture before we go on, it says, The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes and a highway shall be there. You know, they often call rivers natural highways. And a highway shall be there and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall not belong to those who walk. Oh, sorry, it shall belong to those who walk on the way, even if they are fools. They shall not go astray. There is a water that's living, that's available. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.